Welcome to WADA, ADA Live Talk Radio, brought to you by Southeast ADA Center, your leader for information, training, and guidance on the Americans with Disabilities Act. And here's your host. Good afternoon and welcome to WADA ADA Live. On behalf of the Southeast ADA Center, the Burton Blatt Institute at Syracuse University, and the ADA National Network, welcome to the 42nd episode of ADA Live. Today's topic is food allergies and the rights of individuals with allergy-related disabilities under the ADA. My name is Donna DiStefano, and I'm the Assistant Director of the Tennessee Disability Coalition. The coalition is the Tennessee State Affiliate for the Southeast ADA Center. Our guests today are Pam Williamson, Assistant Director of the Southeast ADA Center, and Corinne Gilliam, the Disability Services Specialist in the Equal Opportunity, Affirmative Action, and Disability Services Department at Vanderbilt University here in Nashville, Tennessee. ADA Live listening audience, you can submit your questions about food allergies or other ADA Live programs at any time on adalive.org. Pam and Corinne, welcome to our show. Thank you, Donna. I am so happy to be here today. Thank you, Donna. This is Corinne, and I'm honored to be on the show. Thank you. You're welcome, and we're really, really pleased to have both of you with us. The ADA defines a disability as a, as a mental or physical impairment that substantially limits a major life activity, such as walking, talking, or thinking. It can also include eating. Major life activities also include major bodily functions, such as the functions of the gastrointestinal system. Some individuals with food allergies have a disability as defined by the ADA, particularly those with more significant or severe responses to certain foods. Pam, as the Assistant Director at the Southeast ADA Center, can you tell us a little about how food allergies may qualify as a disability under the Americans with Disabilities Act? I'll be happy to do that, Donna. You know, many of us have seen the reports in the media, uh, on TV, Facebook, other places about how some people have very negative reactions to food. And the one that's probably most well-known to people um, are peanuts. Uh, you often hear of people who have severe allergic reactions and either go into anaphylactic shock or have respiratory issues, and they really have a huge reaction to peanuts. And But yet there are other people who have diseases such as celiac disease or other types of autoimmune responses to certain foods, and they can also have difficulty swallowing, again, breathing, asthma, and eventually, for some folks, it could even cause death if the severity is high enough. You know, the ADA, as you said, covers people in a lot of ways, and the all of these things that we've talked about, the respiratory system, the gastrointestinal system, are all covered under the ADA, and these can potentially be areas where a major life function is affected. 
Thank you, Pam. That that's very helpful in in, in getting some better understanding about um, the food allergies related to the ADA. Um, Pam, you've also shared that you have food allergies, and can you tell us a little bit about those allergies and and when they began? Yeah, my my food allergies were first recognized in college, and back when I was in college, at first they were known as food sensitivities, and. But it was later found out that I'm allergic to many foods, such as chocolate. And, yes, you can live without chocolate. Uh, Food (laughs) preservatives like monosodium glutamate are also MSG that is often found in Chinese food and restaurants. I'm also allergic to nitrates found in deli meats and bacon. And now we found out that I'm allergic uh, to dairy, which is really sad for someone who loves ice cream. So for me, you know, it's a a variety of things that I have allergies to and that I've been dealing with for over 30 years. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. How have these allergies affected your day-to-day life? Well, my food allergies cause severe migraines, stomach cramps, and on occasion hives, and when I have a migraine, a migraine is not just a headache. A migraine literally affects your whole body. And for me personally, it will take me out of commission for one to three days. And for me, this is lost work time. Uh, it may impact social activities with my friends, could affect um, my ability to be able to drive. There, So when I get a food that I am allergic to that then turns around and causes a migraine or hives, uh, you know, it puts me, it really impacts me at a huge level. I am truly unable to function. Wow. Thank thank you, Pam. That really um, helps us to better understand what, what the impact is on a person who has food allergies. Uh, do you have any recommendations for our listening audience about uh, requesting food accommodations? Oh, I have learned so much over the years because food allergies can impact a person in college, when eating at a restaurant, if you're going to a conference where they're serving meals, and so many other areas of your life. So for a person with food allergies, it is so important to know yourself. Know what you can eat, know what you can't eat, and be willing to request those accommodations in these settings. Only you can request the accommodations. I often tell people that we can't expect people to be mind readers. They don't know, so you have to know yourself also to remember the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act addresses this issue, it gives you the right as an individual with a disability to request an accommodation. And it's not one meal fits all. Each person's request must be handled on a case-by-case basis. So I want to encourage you to think about what you need to do to speak up, to know yourself, and to be able to identify the things that cause you problems. And if you have issues that you want some more help with, you can always use the resources at adalive.org. They will provide guidance for you, 
And you can also call the toll-free number at the Southeast ADA Center or other ADA centers across the country at 1-800-949-4232. We really appreciate your sharing all this information with us, Pam. That's just fantastic. Um, Do you have anything else that you would like our audience to know right now? You know, I'd like to share a little bit of my a personal story just to give folks an idea of how this might work. I recently attended a conference, and lunch was provided um, for both days of the conference. So I alerted the conference planners of my need for a dietary accommodation when I registered. I listed all the foods I'm allergic to and everything that, you know, I can't eat. But then I also made some suggestions I always think that it's best to come with your own solutions because it's often difficult for conference planners or chefs to be able to know exactly what you need. So for me, I suggested that grilled chicken with just a little bit of salt and pepper and some olive oil along with some fresh steamed vegetables would be something I could eat and typically a restaurant might have on hand. Well, I laughed because on the second day I had people coming up to me and going, you know, your food looks a lot better than mine. And so I just (laughs) smiled and said thank you. And, you know, for me, the food was definitely better because I would still be able to function for the afternoon. The... uh, If I had eaten what everyone else had, which happened to be a um, deli turkey sandwich, I wouldn't have been able to function. So I just want to encourage folks to take this to heart and be willing to take care of yourself and to ask for those accommodations. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this story. I think um, many people in our audience with food allergies can can likely relate to the um, checking items off at at a conference meal. So thank you very much, Pam. You're very welcome. ADA Live listening audience, you can submit your questions about food allergies in college settings or any other ADA Live programs at any time on adalive.org. And now, a word from our sponsors. Tennessee Disability Coalition provides information, training, and guidance on the Americans with Disabilities Act and disability access tailored to the needs of business, government, and individuals at local, state, and regional levels. Tennessee Disability Coalition is located in Nashville, Tennessee, and serves as the Tennessee State Affiliate of the Southeast ADA Center, a member of the ADA National Network. For answers to your ADA questions, contact the ADA National Network at 1-800-949-4232. Welcome back to WADA ADA Live. We've been talking with Pam Williamson, Assistant Director of the Southeast ADA Center, about her experiences with food allergies. Many, many thanks, Pam. Now we are going to talk with Corinne Gilliam, Disability Services Specialist at Vanderbilt University here in Nashville, Tennessee, about how Vanderbilt University addresses food allergies. Welcome again, Corinne, and um, can you tell us a little bit in general about how common food allergies are? Food allergies is um, on the rise. It's still new, so I think they're still gathering data and information. Um, According to foodallergy.org, researchers estimated that up to 15 million Americans have food allergies. And then the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, um, they did a study in 2013 and noticed that children 
increases with food allergies approximately 50% between 1997 and 2011. Um, they also estimated 4 to 6% of children and 4% of adults have food allergies. So as you can see from the statistics, um, this is a growing trend, um, and it's certainly a great thing that we have an awareness and that it's covered under the ADA law. Thank you, Corinne. That, that's very good information to know about. Um, why are food allergies a critical issue for colleges and universities? Well, um, in 2012, there was a settlement agreement between the U.S. Department of Justice and Leslie University in Massachusetts that um, helped increase awareness among higher education professionals that food allergy and celiac disease may qualify as a disability under the ADA Act. Um, Leslie University actually requires all university uh, students living on campus to participate in and pay for its meal service plan. And that, that's the reason, you know, for this lawsuit uh, settlement is if you're required to get a meal plan, you need accommodations. Otherwise, it's going to affect them and they're not going to be able to function as any other student with or without disability. So this settlement was very crucial and important to bring awareness so that we know how to set up the policy process and accommodate these students appropriately. Mm, thank you. That's um, that's very interesting and good good to know about that settlement agreement. Um, so there were um, accommodations that they talked about. Can you tell us a little bit more about what those accommodations or modifications um, are? Yes. So from the Leslie uh, University Agreement with the U.S., um, there is a best practices guideline that's set up that most universities, if, if not all, um, follow it so that we all know how to appropriately accommodate our students. Um, you know, there's several key bullet points that we try to follow closely. The first one is a collaborative campus-wide approach. Um, our campus has multiple dining locations, so we make sure that you know, students have not just one place, but they have several places that they can go to depending on where the class is, where the dorm is located, so they're not having to walk long distance. Um, the mm -hmm. second most important thing we try to follow is a transparent and flexible process of meeting students' needs without being burdensome. So what we do at Vanderbilt is we have several ways that students can make uh, meal plans that meet their dietary restrictions. They, we have an app um, that lets them know at each dining um, location, you know, if there's gluten-free options, vegan, um, and we also have uh, where they can just show up and order the specialized meal with the management team. Um, you can also email the management team on staff the, for the whole week if you want to of your meal plan that you want to eat that week. Um, so we try to make it as flexible and, you know, different ways so it's not time-consuming, it's not tedious, you know. Um, just almost like if you don't have a disability. We try to treat everybody the same without making it at your work. Um, and the third important thing we try to follow is um, a comprehensive food allergy policy. 
um, we we have a clear process for students on how they can request accommodation or mo modify their plan. Um, you know, let them know that we need documentation to establish the food allergy. And the third thing, um, you know, it tells them how we uh, determine appropriate plan for the food accommodation and how we're going to implement it. Uh, we do outreach, marketing, uh, and the assessment of services. Um, and probably the next most critical thing we try to follow is the emergency response plan and training. We have the dining staff are trained as well as the cashier and everyone that works in the dining hall and housing uh, as far as what to do in an emergency case and how to respond and take care of the student or staff member quickly. We also have staff members that are chefs that are especially trained in how to handle um, food accommodations. So there's a separate kitchen, utensils, uh, these dining staff members are the only ones that handle the food allergy request. And last and most important is confidentiality. We keep the students' medical information confidential. No one on our campus has access to it except for the disability office. And dining staff only know what they need to provide to the student as an accommodation. Wow, that's a very comprehensive answer. Thank you so much, Corinne. Um, very helpful to know all those different types of things that you do for modifications as well as talking a little bit about the policies and, and some of the procedures. Um, I know that you know as, as, a, as a student comes in and is accepted into admissions, if they request an accommodation, it goes into you. So, um, and you keep that information confidential. Um, for students that live on campus, are there other kinds of things that Vanderbilt has in place to help those students um, and other people that are in the residence know what their needs may be? Yes, so um, the dining office and our office, we, you know, and as well as the student, we make uh, the RA, housing staff, the residential director, and, and the professor that lives in that house with the student aware of the accommodations, whether it's food, um, housing, it could be a number of different accommodations. Um, you know, we we do different types of accommodations. Sometimes they do dining accommodations, but the student has multiple severe food allergies. So what we've done is um, upperclassmen, they get to have access to a kitchen within their suite dorm. Um, that seems to help them tremendously when they're not able to get to a dining hall or, you know, the, the dining accommodations are so significant, it may be difficult to find multiple options for the student. So the kitchen allows them to have that advantage. Also, we've done um, classroom accommodations. If, a, you know, professors have banned, you know, snacks and food with certain allergies so that the student is not forced to leave the classroom in the middle of the important lecture time due to risk of exposure, you know, if, if the item was brought into the classroom. Um, you know, we've done class other classroom accommodations as attendance issues, you know, something if they had a reaction and it takes them several days to recover, the professor won't penalize them for that. Um, and that's typical. I mean, we're open to, you know, other accommodation. We treat everybody case by case. So... Oh, thank you, um, Corinne. That certainly reinforces what Pam said, too, in terms of 
of really needing to be individualized and doing things on a case-by-case basis. Uh, yes. So how common um, are food allergies at Vanderbilt? Do you have a lot of um, students that have these um, needs or accommodations around this? Yes, it's very common. It's a growing trend that we've noticed. We also accommodate um, students on religious requests as well because we have quite a few um, international students. We have students, you know, that are uh, of Jewish or Muslim uh, religion classes. Um, and we also have students who have um, chronic medical conditions that require food restriction to, in order to heal their body. So we we accommodate a variety of number of students and staff. Great, great. Thank you. That's, uh, again, all really helpful information. ADA Live listening audience, you can submit your questions about food allergies in college settings or any other ADA Live programs at any time on adalive.org. And now, a word from our sponsor. The Southeast ADA Center is your leader in providing information, training, and guidance on the Americans with Disabilities Act and disability access tailored to the needs of business, government, and individuals at local, state, and regional levels. The Southeast ADA Center, located in Atlanta, Georgia, is a member of the ADA National Network and serves eight states in the Southeast region. For answers to your ADA questions, contact the ADA National Network at 1-800-949-4232. Welcome back. We're talking with Corinne Gilliam about food allergies in college settings. Corinne, you've already talked a little bit about Vanderbilt having an emergency response plan for food allergies. Um, do you have um, additional information to share with us about that response plan and, and, and key elements that we really need to highlight? It's mainly, you know, students need to talk to the um, dining management staff. Um, they talk about, you know, what happens with the food allergy reaction. You know, do they have EpiPen? How is it um, implemented? Uh, and then they are also told that our staff and cashiers are directed to call 911 immediately because sometimes we don't know if that's a food allergy reaction or is there something else hidden um, that's going on. So mm-hmm. that's and likely our university is right next to the hospital, so we we have a pretty quick you know response from that te- emergency team. Uh, usually they uh, will call 911, and then also they have a plan set up when that emergency happens with each student because each student is individualized. Some students might have multiple conditions; others may only have one. So each emergency plan may or may not be different. Great. Thanks. Thank you, Corinne. So really the key is this, this interaction that, that you yeah. have with the student and you know, the student making what known, what what um what accommod- what things they might need and then sort of working through that. Um that's very helpful. Thank you. Um I know that there is a link to the food allergy and anaphylaxis network on the student health center section of Vanderbilt's website. What other resources does uh, Vanderbilt have for students and faculty? We have a um, trained licensed dietitian on staff, and she does a one-on-one meeting with each student to find out what their allergies are and go over what option they have and what their preference. Um, and then if there's problems, she go back and retweak it and 
you know, she's able to find creative meal options for the student. Great, great. Um, so could you talk a little bit about what kinds of training, if any, that are related to food allergies and or reasonable accommodations that Vanderbilt does for faculty and or students? Um, training, we have the management team of the dining uh, staff uh, is the only selected people to handle food allergies and accommodations. And then they also have chef and um, staff members on the dining team that are especially trained in creating and making the uh, meals for students and staff with the dietary restrictions. They all, you know, they operate in a separate kitchen, separate utensils. Um, no one else is allowed to handle those um, type of meals. So that way it's safe. They know that there's not any cost contamination, and the student is more, it feels safer that it, you know, the meal meets the requirements. Okay, that's that's that's. Thank you very much. That's very helpful. Pam and Corinne, I want to thank both of you for being here today and talking with us about food allergies and the rights of individuals with allergy-related disabilities under the ADA. As we wrap up today's show, what would you like listeners to take away from this show? Pam, I'll start with you. Thanks, Donna. The takeaway I would like everyone who has food allergies, and especially students in a college or university setting, to remember is to know yourself and to understand that you do have rights under the Americans with Disabilities Act. You have to be willing to ask for those reasonable accommodations to meet your dietary needs so that you can enjoy life, college, anything else to the fullest. So make sure you know yourself and understand the ADA and ask for help when you need it. Thank you, Pam. That's very helpful. Corinne? My advice is to advocate for yourself. Don't be afraid to voice your concerns if the meal option is not working, um, if you solve a contamination issue or you're um, wishing there's more options available or you need dining hall to be open at different hours, let them know. Don't be afraid to ask for more help, assistance, and make many requests. The dining team is there to cater to students and staff and make sure that they're safe in eating their meals and enjoying it as well. So always advocate, find your voice, don't be afraid to speak up if there's a problem and keep at it until it's solved. At this time, I'd like to thank Pam Williamson, Assistant Director of the Southeast ADA Center, and Corinne Gilliam, the Disability Services Specialist at Vanderbilt University here in Nashville, Tennessee, for joining us today on WADA ADA Live. It's been a pleasure to have each of you on the show to talk about food allergies. Pam, you on a personal level, and Corinne, you in your role within Vanderbilt University's Disability Services Office. We appreciate your being with us and sharing such valuable information. And thank you also to our ADA Live listening audience. 
The Southeast ADA Center is grateful for your support and participation in this series of WADA ADA Live broadcasts. Remember, you may submit questions about any of our ADA Live topics by going to adalive.org. If you have questions about the Americans with Disabilities Act, please contact your regional ADA center at 1-800-949-4232. That's 1-800-949-4232. All calls are free and confidential. Join us again on April 5th at 1 o'clock Eastern for another episode of WADA ADA Live when Barry Whaley, Project Director of the Southeast ADA Center, will be talking about ADA and employment. Thank you for listening to ADA Live Talk Radio, brought to you by the Southeast ADA Center. Remember to join us the first Wednesday of each month for another ADA topic, and you can call 1-800-949-4232 for answers to your ADA questions.